Recording in progress. All right. Good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So it is, uh, I'm timestamping here in 2022 because a lot has gone down, man. Guys, we, we published a book and we took a break from the podcast a little bit last year. I know the loyal fans were a little upset with that, but you know what? I, I'm only human and maybe we'll talk about that on this show. Uh, setting no limits and sometimes having to set a couple of limits to ensure no limits. Just uh, some plugs there because this gentleman's got a couple domains. Iamnolimits.com is why I am just bringing that right off the bat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug this and screen share during the intro because I just like what he's doing, right? So here you go. Iamnolimits.com, the number one thing you need to tell yourself all day. And look at this. I am limitless, not limited. So over five plus years of podcasting, we've talked about this, ladies and gentlemen. We've had lots of influencers on here. And I'll probably do some more screen sharing the show or we'll just check that off the list at the beginning. But this gentleman understands the importance of recognize that there's a sleeping giant inside of each and every one of you. And that's really the theme I like to get out of this intro today is because people need to hear that right from the get-go. So that's, that's what we're setting the stage for this show. I just got met this guy, and no joke, I think it was maybe a month ago. We'll have to clarify it. So shout out to Justin Shank, top-rated podcaster out there. He hosted an amazing event right here in my home state, of Pennsylvania. And I've talked about that on past shows. Well, this gentleman got to speak there. He was on a panel. He didn't just speak. He inspired and he motivated a crap load of people. And I became a fan. And I'm like, dude, I got to get this guy on my show. We're both going to learn more about each other together today. Okay. Because he understands human behavior. He understands performance coaching. We've had influencers on here before. The importance of public speaking, maybe finding your own voice, right? The power of launching your own podcast, eventually get up on stage. He understands business strategy, and that's my game. So we're going to get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Bogert, welcome to the show, sir. Dude, that's got to be one of the best intros I have uh, ever been a part of receiving on one of these podcasts. Well, I don't like to follow well. scripts, so, so yeah, I, I just no, but that's why <laughs> that's why it was so good, man. You freestyled and you just let yourself flow, and you spoke from your heart, and that's what I'm all about. So, well, I mean, dude, again, I just, I'm, how, I'm how about the event? here with you today? How, thank you, thank you. I'm excited too, right? So, how about the event? Let, let's just let's let's give let's give a little spotlight to Justin to kick this off because you and I literally have only virtually known each other. Barely two months? Yeah. Like that? Almost that's, exactly that's, that. That's yeah. why I love podcasting. That's what I've missed. Yeah. So, so what do you think? Growth Now Summit from the Growth Now Movement himself, Justin Shank. I went to the first. Obviously, this was the second. It was postponed because of the pandemic and everything else. Uh, sum it up. What do you think? You know, I think it's really incredible when someone puts their heart and their soul into something and they serve people from a place of like really wanting to genuinely create impact, mm. what can happen? And I think that that's, a, you know, he's a perfect example of someone who literally started with just a microphone, started building a community around him, but he always did it authentically. He always did it from his heart and he always did it from a position of wanting to create impact and serve. It's no wonder now that a few years later, he's not only a top rated podcaster, but that he's been able to produce these relationships to drive people into positions where he can create spaces for them to transform together. You know, I met Justin through podcasting, yeah. right? And then I got to speak at his virtual summit during the COVID. So I never actually knew him when he threw the first one. And then obviously he leaned in and we are not only we've become friends, we've done a lot to help each other. We're also business partners and one of the entities that we run together. 
And then we get to help each other in events like this. So that's right. That's a newer Summit thing, is right? Just, Isn't that also it's a just newer incredible? Thing? The new business, that, that business thing is the new is a newer thing too, right? Yeah, it's in the last year. It's all happened in the last yeah, year. Yeah, let's it go ahead. As, I, I love as a marketing professional, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Please plug the new thing because I have podcasters who listen to this show as well. I've spoken at podcasting events. I already know a little bit about it because I was at the event and I was excited to see you guys launch it. But why don't you go ahead and plug that real quick? So yeah, so it's called PodCon. Uh, it, it is a part of IamNoLimits.com. So if you go there, you can find it, but it's also podcon.com. Um, and here's the thing. I've been a guest on over 400 other people's platforms in the last two years. Solid. I don't say that to impress. I say it to impress on the point. I've been around the block in podcasting and I've spoken to some of the best of the best on some of the biggest platforms and on some very small ones. Mm. But what I also started to realize very early on is that I did a lot of it organically but that the podcast booking space was really just spamming the entire market from a slap and stick method in a way that I just didn't feel like aligned with what podcasting really is, which is curating amazing conversations, building relationships, creating value, adding impact into the world. That's like, that's what podcasting can do. Yep. And if it's done authentically from that level, the amplification of podcasting can be huge. The communities you can develop through it can be huge, but so many people don't actually understand how to leverage the space because they go and they hire a podcast booking service. Mm -hmm. They'll pay 7,500 to 10 grand to get on five to 10 shows. But what most of them don't realize is that like 90% of shows don't get beyond a hundred downloads or five episodes. Huh. Oh, I still and remember so when many I, beginning when I first, shows need, go ahead. I remember when I first passed 10,000, I was like, Oh my God. And then you hit the hundred thousand. You're like, Oh, Oh, cool. And now, granted, I've got, I have a client, he gets a million downloads a month. And I'm like, well, you know, everybody's got their audience, right? He's everybody's also, got their audience, he's but, OG but, though, man, like nine years podcasting. He's OG. He's OG. But you still, I mean, you, you are already in the top 1% of podcasters based on those oh. numbers, oh, okay. right? Which is, which is crazy to think about because how many people start and they literally never get there. Well, 10,000 downloads, a hundred thousand downloads. It's incredible, but go ahead. I was to say, I make the joke. You're talking about podcast. I, Booking services weren't a thing. I mean, when I started, and I was like, then all of a sudden but people started like sending me people, years, right? And I, and I well, yeah. I loved it because I was like, wait a minute, I don't have to find guest co-hosts anymore, yeah. and I'm organic like you, bro. Like, I mean, I, I like how you, you you plug that in there because I'm just like you. You can't beat the power. That's why I love events, right? I love going to events. I was just out at KetoCon in Austin, Texas, this past weekend, so I just picked up. I actually got to reconnect with doctors that I had on my show years ago. Never met them in person. It was awesome. Um, you, but organic connectivity is work. Takes time. Takes time. And there's some half-assed referral services out there where I'm like, could you please not email me anymore? Take me off your list. And there's others yeah. that I say, please send me because they well, do and a how great often job. Though, do you, how often do you get emails that are like, we have the perfect guest for you and they have no perspective on who you are or your show? Dude. Right? Don't get me going. And so like- <laughs> Every day, right? Daily, it gets hit. And so then these booking services will literally take that money, put people on five to 10 shows, many of which, again, won't even exist six months from now, yeah. let alone, is there even alignment to the audience? And then beyond that, other than the number of shows they get booked on, the person who spent all that money has no idea what their reach was. Nope. They can't understand ROI. They have no idea how to tie a marketing budget, which also makes it hard for the corporate space to really get behind the industry. Yes, so because said, look, they need, I mean, again, as a former corporate ROI. monkey, a former corporate monkey, man, they love that ROI. They want the numbers. Uh, just like, like, although companies finally realize you do need social media, right? But in the beginning, uh, they're like, well, what's the ROI? And we're, we're, I'm telling them, I'm like, can't tell you that. 
right off the bat. We got for ad spend. They want to know reach, right? Like that's just the reality. Because if you're going to be distributing an ad budget or a marketing budget into any particular area, you need some numbers to justify the expense. Yep. And so in this case, we were like, look, this whole thing is broken. So we are now doing a booking service, but it's based on download guarantees, not number of shows. And that's put in a position to curate the right conversation. So there's a deep level of alignment between the shows and the audiences with who the people are and the guests with which they're going to feature, which means that we have to build relationships on both sides. Yeah. The other side of it is we know that most of these podcast booking services, their business wouldn't exist without the podcaster's asset. True. The podcaster does all the work. They put it out in the world. They create the marketing. They create all these things. But we also know most shows don't monetize at all. And so the other side we said is, look, if we're going to do download guarantees, it also means we're in business with all three people. We're truly making a win-win-win across the board which also means that we're doing a rev share back to the podcast hosts to cover the asset that they're providing and allowing us to bring a good curated conversation to it. So for us, we feel like we fixed two sides of the dynamic. I'm excited for and, you uh, And we're just now getting ready to scale at a level that we can serve way more people than we have been. Well, and again, you and Justin have great energy alignment. That's why I wanted to let you just toss a plug in Thank right you. away because... I love seeing, I mean, I've like, I've landed clients because I accidentally loved like Kickstarters, like, you know, crowdfunding. And then I, then I learned a lot about it. And then my client said, Hey, uh, my marketing person quit and you sent us all these great tips for our campaign to launch a movie. So we, I literally helped crowdfund a movie then because they ended up hiring me. He's like, dude, I need your help. My girl quit. And you seem to actually understand things. And but I just love things. See, I, yeah. kindling that fire, man. Getting that fire going. Yeah. That's why fires on all my brands. It's like, dude, like it's just getting it going. So anyway, that being said, you have high energy. Justin's got high energy. I've got high energy. I love aligning with you guys. So let's help the audience understand, though, a little bit more. You know, I mean, not just the new company. You know, there's more to Brian, you know, than just starting up new companies and podcasting and being a guest on 400 different platforms, you know, people's platforms and stuff over the years, which again, strong work, man, because I, I've been, I told people that for years, I'm like, get out of your bubble and start crossing circles, connecting and give to other people's audiences first. Don't, it, yeah, you can welcome on your show if they want to come on first, but like, get out there, man, connect with people, see what the, you don't need to align with their entire audience, but there might be 5% of that audience that aligns with you and they've been looking for somebody like you. And go in there to serve, not sell. Yes. Have a conversation. Like legitimately, the reason I've been able to get on those platforms is because I don't come here to pitch. I'm grateful that you give me an opportunity to plug a couple things, but had you not, I'd be just as happy to have a great conversation and pour into your audience. Like that's, to me, the power of podcasting. Well, I did it because the past couple of years, pandemic was a struggle for a lot of businesses and locally here in Pennsylvania and beyond. I watched old colleagues, new colleagues, new connections, old connections, either succeed or fail. I grew my income during the pandemic because I didn't stop working. And again, that's a whole other, I don't talk politics and church and everything else, religion, but I'm like, people love venting about people not working even still, by the way, which it's confused me because there's no more free, free checks or tax, tax dollars paying for that. That aside, it's, like I said, we're here to hustle, man. We're here to work. Like, that's it. Like dude, I'm in it. I get it. Like, you're an Arizona guy, and we'll, we're going to connect more on fire and stuff. But, like, dude, I used to live there. I used to serve. The book's about that. My old crew is out there serving right now, so they're working hard. Not getting paid enough, but working hard. <laughs> yeah. So how far back does the Brian, like, the companies, the, the branding, when did you really get it all going? Uh, cause I, I like to, I like to establish timelines for people. So. Yeah. Um, so seven years ago, almost okay. to the date is when I founded the company. Cool. 
and so Brian Bogert companies, if you will, which was just coaching and speaking at the time, uh, there were no courses, there weren't group coaching. There wasn't any of these other ancillary businesses nice. that are supporting our mission, but, um, five years, I ran it side by side with another business. So I was in the risk management employee benefits consulting business for about 15 years, the last 10 of which my partners and I scaled a business from nothing to over 15 million in revenue in that period. And it was great and it was fun, but um, so much of that didn't align with who I was and who I was becoming. And, um, and so I executed my buy sell in that business, ironically enough, May of 2020, after the pandemic started, but I put the wheels in motion on it in basically July through September of 2019 that I knew I was going to make the transition. Smart. So once I made the decision and I executed buy sell, the pandemic wasn't going to stop me. I was like you. I was like, look, this is opportunity. This isn't like something that's going to hurt me. This is going to leverage me. You and I were not waiting to figure out Zoom. No, <laughs> I had, first of no. all, I'd already been using Zoom for years anyway, and I already owned some of that stock. So I was very happy about that. But it's like, <laughs> it's like don't... Yeah. don't I love understanding history. I love holding on to parts of history, yeah. but I'm also in order to set like in your words, right. In order to find a way to, to help ensure that I have no limits, you got to be embracing change. You got to be totally. staying up on things and you got to be willing to take, you got to be willing to take the risks. I have talked yeah. about that yeah. for years on this show. It's part of my lifestyle, right? Doing that job, the firefighting stuff, right? Risk, risk out the wazoo, but yeah. That's where the growth happens. And I, yeah. that's why I always want to get out of it. Thousand percent, dude. Thousand percent. Yeah. So, 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 so seven June years. Of 2020, seven June of 2020 years. is 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 when I started doing this full time with no other focus outside of what I was connected to in building or the businesses that I was involved in. Cool. And so it was around March of 2020 before I actually came out full time that we did the rebrand. Okay. But we've had some version of the infinity and some version of no limits for about six years. I okay. developed the No Limits playbook and a lot of the methodology that went into our No Limits U course and some of the other things that are built around our programs back six years ago. It got a refresh in brand look and feel and updated language in 2020. And then since then, since I've been able to be 100% in this space, 100% aligned with who I am, all these what's in my world have become a manifestation of who I am. And so a lot of our core concepts What's interesting is I would have told you I developed them through 2020 and early 2021 based on where I was in my life and what was happening and how we were evolving in the business. But what's funny is I actually will look back at a talk that I gave six years ago. And a lot of the core concepts were actually embedded in my language back then. They just weren't developed. Nice. And so that's what's been really fascinating is a lot of the work that we're doing is actually an extension of where we started. But the brand look and feel and then the amplification of it from the foundation we set really has only been just over two years. I like what I'm, I just heard there because and it's not really one of my taglines, but it's something that's been thrown around for years, but it's, it's, it's cycled into the shows over the years randomly when I hear something like this. It's like, I'm a health and fitness nut, right? So the old Globo gym days, right? You got to put in the reps, bro. You didn't realize, <laughs> right? Like you were putting in the reps. But it's the truth. All right? Yeah. And then as you put in the reps, things started bubbling to the surface and then you go back and you're like, oh, dude, I was talking about that. But it wasn't in fruition yet. It was like, oh, you had to let it, you had to nurture it, man. You had to put in the reps. Right. You had to see what was going to be aligning with where you're at. And it was like, right. wait a minute, these principles, these core values, I got to get that to the surface, right? We're going to take action on that. And that's why I tell people, Tom, like, you got to keep putting the reps. I've had to tell myself over the years, it's like, like I've missed podcasts. I mean, I didn't, I didn't stop podcasting, but I cut way back this past year just to get the book done. And now it's like, it's full steam ahead again, man. I, I've, I've been yeah. missing it. So, 
But I mean, even podcasting, it's the same thing. I mean, like get reps. I mean, geez, listen, listen to some of the first podcasts I was on. It's not the same as it is today. Right. I, I do like, want to go back and listen to my first five shows. I, I that is on my to do list here. I actually have it written down for this. I show. would bet you my so. first five shows sound almost identical to each other, mm. which is crazy because back then I was more in the idea of I'm a paid stage speaker, not somebody on a podcast. Scripted. And so it was, although my natural state is to generally get in flow and just have a back and forth conversation. Yeah. There was also an element of like, oh, I felt like I had to position because that was still a part of my old narrative. I was still hiding behind because yeah. I was showing up based on who the world told me I needed to be versus authentically who I was. And as I raised my level of consciousness, I've done this work more and gotten significant reps. It allowed me to drop those armor elements that it were involved that have also then allowed me to actually lean into this element of the higher I raise my consciousness, the more I will allow wisdom to flow through me versus having to access knowledge. And that's how I can show up and be authentic. I like this authenticity, but what you just said there, the armor, dig a, give me a little more on that. What, what did that mean to you? The letting the armor down, so to speak, letting it let, shed, shedding. Like I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm thinking back to the old medieval times, man. Like you're shedding your armor off your battle. Uh, but what does that mean to you? So I'm, I'm a really big believer in, and the way I speak about armor can go a, a little bit further and deeper than just probably how I'll start the answer. But, um, I'm a really big believer that we are born as our most authentic, brightest burning lights. And then from the time we're little parents, teachers, coaches, employers start saying, you should do this. You shouldn't do that. You should be this. You shouldn't be that. You should want this. You shouldn't want that. You should make this amount of money. You shouldn't want that. Put right. Literally on, man. funneling us down yeah. because what's happening is she has a shame based word. And it implies that whoever you are, whatever you want, whatever you're doing, isn't good enough. We then start to self shame ourselves, shame ourselves, which is like, Oh, I should have gotten up earlier. I should have worked out. I should have eaten better. Right. And then we keep ourselves in this perpetual cycle. But what happens is, some of us experienced trauma like I did very early. And again, I, we haven't talked about that, but I'll hit it. High oh, we'll, 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 we truck. will. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. I was running a ride truck. My left arm was and, and ladies and gentlemen, we'll he go, just we'll showed this visually on the, okay. okay. This is why we publish this to YouTube and everything else. Video matters too. Uh, but podcasting is still core, mostly audio, but we're going to hit on this, but yes, please keep yeah. going. And so anyway, I'm a big believer that as all these things start to happen, these narratives from the world start to take place and these elements of pain that start to exist, that's what you're rooted in the human experience. Cause we all want to be seen. We all want to be protected. We all want to be right safe. And we all want to be connected. Yeah. Those are the four elements to it. And we want to be seen and understood and connected the most, but they don't exist unless the first two do. Yeah. So when we're constantly being told that who we are, what we want, what we're doing, isn't good enough, or we have that perception, whether it's real or perceived, the reality of it is, is we start to get these little elements of pain that we develop inside and coinciding with that, we start developing these layers of armor on the outside of who we are to ultimately protect us, mm. right? I'm a big believer that when we walk into an environment, we don't feel protected or we don't feel safe. What's our instinct? To protect ourselves, sure. yeah. right? So what do we do as instinct? So many of us, and I did this myself, byproduct of some of my injuries, but also just the life that I lived, right? And so when we protect ourselves, we put our armor up. And when our armor goes up, what we're actually doing is isolating us from exactly what we want because we have this invisible force field. And so if we want to be seen and understood and connected the most, we have this invisible, how do we demonstrate who we are through an invisible force field authentically to someone else? Yeah. And how can we ever expect them to see us and understand us, know who we are and connect with us when they can't see all of us other than And then they wonder why we get frustrated because oh, they're not, they're right. not, we're not connecting. They don't get me. And, and then some people look back in there and say, what did I do wrong? Like, well, first of all, you're hiding Correct. in your bubble. Right. I, got to, I, I have a chapter in the book on this. When I realized years after the firefighting that. And my wife, now wife, taught me this because I was not capable of love uh, years ago. I was very the bachelor, never ending bachelor life. Um, getting vulnerable. Yeah, that's like 
that was look. Here's the, the thing: it was, it was like it was like breaking armor, shells, bubbles, whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want. True call strength it. actually hides behind vulnerability, right? And armor does three things, right? It prevents us from getting what we most want, being seen, understood, and connected, right? But how long could you hold two five-pound dumbbells out in front of you, straight out, if I asked you to? Pretty good, but you're gonna burn out. You know, but you're gonna it, burn out. Mind over mind over body, but the body right? will fail. You know, <laughs> but the body will fail, and so we're sitting there holding it, and we may start out thinking we're really strong, and it's good, right? Yeah. But then the burning starts to happen, and then the weight gets happened, and then those weights get heavier and heavier and heavier. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Our armor is the same way. We put it there thinking it's protecting us, but it actually gets heavier the longer we carry it and it starts to incrementally crush us over time. Mm. So that's the second thing that armor does. The third thing armor does is there's two different types of people. There's those that are a little bit more loosey-goosey, more open, but then there's those that are really tight, right? They're perfectionists. They have control. I fit into that bucket, right? Guilty, so we have this container. <laughs> we have this container called our armor, right? The world teaches us literally to reduce, eliminate, or avoid all pain, to not feel, to show up with a smile on, no matter what you're feeling and existing in, and move fast with less effort. So what do we do? We start to shove that shit down because the world's not going to accept it. Just like a trash can, we're literally compressing it, right? So the container that's open, it can only hold so much, but at some point it starts spilling over the top. Yeah. But those of us that are more tightly controlled, those yeah. of us that have had perfectionism, that have, we're a byproduct of our shame or control, right? Now all of a sudden we've got a lid on that container because we can't let any of that shit out. Yeah. Right. So now we've got a container and we're still in that same process. So the more we shove in there, the more pressure that there gets, which actually creates more damage because that container can oh. only hold so much before it explodes. When that pops shrapnel through your world. Oh, right. Stress and so cortisol those, levels. It's yeah. Been there. Been and there. So that's what that's what I mean by armor. We literally create armor that prevents us from being and getting exactly who we want to be and what we want in our lives because we don't ever feel safe. So this is what I say for leaders in business, for leaders in families, for leaders in communities, we have to put ourselves in a position when we walk in to recognize that we have the ability to be the protector and the connector in every environment we're in. Meaning if we walk in and we can convince ourselves that we are safe, that we don't need protection outside of ourselves, then we can drop our own armor and wrap a layer of protection and armor around the entire environment we're in. Mm -hmm. guaranteeing that everybody can be safe, everybody can be protected, everybody can be seen and understood, and everybody can be connected. But it requires somebody to hold that container in a protected space. Why not you? Why not the leadership that you can deliver? But that's what I mean by armor. My armor was protecting me, what I thought, but it was actually preventing me and disconnecting me from who I was and what I wanted. Well explained. That's why I knew, I knew you'd have a great explanation for that. So, <laughs> so well, let's... A solid explanation. I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for a better definition, uh, especially from your perspective too, because you and I are aligning on this. And this is something that I struggled heavily with. And I, honestly, most of us will, pull, I mean, the only thing different today is that I catch myself sooner because I've put in the reps. I've now allowed myself to let that go and embrace things like love and letting my wife into my life and everything else. So like these are all growth opportunities for myself personally. And I never allowed those things, but then now had those, those floodgates now benefit your personal, your professional and other areas, right? So that's the other thing I was, for years, I was just a single guy. I'm just going to go skydiving and I'm going to go fight fires. And I'm going to go race a mountain bike. And I was always the adrenaline junkie, but I cut out that one section, that love component. I kept the family at distance. I kept some friends at distance. You know, I wasn't letting people in anymore and people tried telling me, but I mean, come on, you could talk about this, Brian. When that armor's up, you're not hearing. You're just like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. You just give them the head nod. We're good. You know, I'll work on that. 
If your armor's up, you're not receiving, that's for sure. No. So, obviously, let me ask you this then. Was the armor the largest or the thickest when you had the accident? Let's let's hit on that so people understand no, why they got to keep listening to this episode because you got a hell of a backstory. So, yeah, uh, my armor actually was not thickest right after my accident. Hmm. It was actually the thickest maybe 20 years after the accident. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I mean, I started develop. Go ahead. I was going to say just last pizza. But I, have, I have friends that have physical injuries and partial amputations and stuff like that. People I've connected with and they're high on life, but they admitted to struggling and letting armor up because they're worried about what do people think about how I look or, you know, the whole eye stare thing and all these other layers. That's oh, why I was It's all real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's all real. Yeah. And by the way, most of my armor, I would say, was a pattern that was created through some of those exact dynamics. Okay. But it wasn't like, I, I mean, I was seven when it happened, right? Yeah. So it's not like your armor just locks up when you're seven years old. It starts to incrementally grow, right? Oh, your, and so your frontal happened, cortex is still still developing anyway. So yeah. Totally. And yeah. so what happened for me is it really was a byproduct that started with an intellectual and mental narrative that protected me. Because when I got out, right, I'd be in a sling. I'd have a teddy bear right here. Mm. My humerus had to heal at a 90 degree angle out like this. Otherwise, it wouldn't heal properly. And so I would get asked all the time from people like, oh, what happened? How'd you get hurt? And they'd be expecting me as a seven or eight year old boy to be like, oh, I flew off a swing. I crashed my bike. I was playing football with a buddy, whatever. Right. But I'd look at them deadpan in the face and say, I was running by truck and my left arm was torn off. So two things happened. One, I'd see the shock and awe right away and their jaw hit the bottom, but they would also pause instantaneously and look at my parents for confirmation because they didn't believe my own story. Right. Okay. So all of a sudden from seven, eight, nine, 10 years old, my own story, my own truth isn't being accepted and received from adults with which who I believe are the ones who I'm supposed to be having receive it, which starts embedding that again, I'm not being seen and understood and I wasn't being connected or understood. Right. So little bits of armor started to go up. The other side that took place is I stopped. I hated being confined in the box that was created by other people viewing me through their lens as if they were in my situation. And telling me what I can and can't do and the limitations they were going to place on me. That was the concept of where No Limits came from, is that I'm a big believer that we only are limited by the things that we either limit ourselves on or we allow the world to limit us on. Mm. And so the reality of it is is this is what was happening is people be like, oh, he'll never ride a bike again. Oh, he'll never water ski. Oh, he'll never play sports. And guess what? I shattered all those expectations because that was what I had to do for my own healing process. But I shut off physical pain because it exceeded my demands to cope. And what I didn't realize for 25 years is that I shut off emotional pain at the same time. Uh-huh. And so the reality of it is I created this so mental was a side narrative that was like, Brian's good. Brian's strong. He's capable. He can do anything himself. And it led me very, very well. I accomplished a lot of things. I shattered all their expectations to show myself as well what was possible. And then when I'm 20 years old, I re-break my arm in a snowboarding injury, almost lose it again, Jeez. go 10 months with it hanging by my side, seven surgeons who are afraid to touch me because of medical malpractice of so what they'd be opening up. And literally my bone creating scar tissue in between and not healing because everything they tried, Sarmiento pressure brace and all the electro stimulation on the bone, none of it worked. Mm. Right. And so I'm reliving experiences at 20 that I did at seven without the built-in infrastructure of support that I had with my family. Wow. And all of a sudden I realized how much the world bought into my narrative because I had tons of friends, tons of family, but nobody came. And I, I, by the way, that wasn't them. It was me because they bought into my narrative. They were like, Brian's good. Brian's strong. He's capable. And oh, by the way, if he needs help, he'll ask for it. Yep. But what I didn't also have a part of my narrative is the fact that I wasn't having enough courage at that point in my life to be vulnerable enough to ask for help when I needed it the most. And so that's when I leaned into human connection and started to realize that vulnerability and authenticity were the glue that binds human connection. 
And that's when I started to really unpack and understand like, oh, okay, here's different ways to get other people to let their armor down. Still, by the way, blind to the fact that I was carrying and getting thicker and thicker armor every year still at that point. So this goes forward another probably seven to 10 years before I really started to understand the power of emotion. So the armor was thick. It's probably my mid-20s. I mean, I'm all about building a solid foundation when I'm working on somebody's brand, right? Like building that bulletproof foundation. But you got like a... I mean, that's, that's a foundation of, that's a lot to break down. That's whew, years, years. That's powerful, man. So fast forward. Do you find it easier to connect with people now more than ever because of that growth before that realization, getting vulnerable, letting the armor down? Uh, Cause I know you do a lot of coaching, right? And you, you do a lot of, uh, you have a lot of great videos by the way on your site, but and I'll, I'm going to screen share again because I didn't share the main site yet. Here you go. His name, brianbooker.com. By the way, great video content. I was, I was, my wife is in Croatia uh, right now for a week and a half uh, with a vet school friend that she went to school with. It's a girl's getaway. So it's just me and the dog. So I've been catching up on extra videos. Awesome. <laughs> and I love your content. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have this in the show notes. Please visit brianbogert.com. Uh, and actually, real quick, actually, besides the I Am No Limits, I enjoyed the, uh, the Brian... Brian's uh, bullets section of your site too, though. So, but again, you have a lot of content out there, man. So do you find there's yourself, there's even more on social media. That's not on YouTube yet. I mean, we have hundreds that go out oh, uh, yeah. monthly. Yeah. Your Instagram um, is so, solid. Yeah. You're doing a great job. Yeah. I, I tell you all the time, my right? consistency. So, but again, so fast forward to today, your level of connection. That's one thing mm-hmm. that I picked up of off of the panel, right? There's, I mean, again, everybody was a great speaker that day, but you, that was a great panel. And you were just in the zone. Like, you're completely comfortable. And like my wife says, like, when I'm in the zone, I'm like, you, I have that faster speed of speech because I know what I'm talking about. And I'm just laying it out there because my heart's behind it and I know what I'm saying. And you were just ripping. I mean, just getting after it. I was like, he knows his messaging. <laughs> well, so. thank you. Yeah. Um, the, the, the answer to your question is, is yes. And I find myself being able to connect even deeper the more I continue to evolve myself. Mm. There is no final destination, only constant evolution of self. And so what I can absolutely definitively say is, is that um, there was a massive shift probably two years into my coaching business because that's around the time that I really started to understand emotion a lot deeper. And even in the way I used to coach, I used to always use the language like, what do you think about that? Well, where do you think you're going? I very rarely asked someone how they felt, right? And so, and my wife would say for years that I was sympathetic, not empathetic. And it was after an experience with my daughter that I realized that I really wasn't experiencing emotions and how much I was actually subconsciously, but actively suppressing so many things that I was feeling good and bad Mm. because I had learned to numb myself because again, when I shut off pain, I shut it all off. And so when I started to just pause long enough to start to feel more, I started to realize the depth of the human experience in a way that I hadn't experienced it in the same way. And it started to evolve in the way I was communicating and connecting. And so the more I've moved through my shame, the more layers of my shame that I've actually continued to shed. And then in the last year and a half, the ability for me working through shame, leading to an understanding with my wife that I actually had been an angry person for a very long time, but truly hadn't acknowledged it, understood it or seen it. That was one of the deeper shifts because I had to handle the anger in myself in a short expedited way through the inside out method that we created as a result to help people move through their stuck emotions, but legitimately in a way that I had to understand it so I could become aware and own it and unroot it and start to move through it in an expedited period, because that was truly the one thing that was going to keep me from deeply, deeply connecting with myself. 
And I believe that if we don't connect deeply with ourselves, we have an inability to connect externally at the level that we desire. And I also believe that intimacy can be created primarily through vulnerability. And so wherever we're in a position to recognize that we are armored or guarded, those are moments where we are lacking connection. And so I've now used that as a barometer in myself to really gauge like where I'm protecting myself, where, how, when, and see that clearly. Because typically it's only in my unresolved or unprocessed historical patterns or emotions where that armor presents itself again. Outside of that, I'm so clear and centered in who I am that to your point, you're like, yeah, you were in the zone. I was like, dude, I, I was being asked questions. I was on state. Of course I was comfortable. Like yeah. I don't, I've been on hundreds of stages, thousands of stages. Like I, it didn't put in the reps. Me, that's, yeah. that's I put in the reps and it's like, I was so comfortable there, but I'm also so clear on the fact that I don't need to know the answer. I don't have to prepare thought. I don't have to prepare scripts. Cause again, the more I can be me, the more it authentically flows out of me. I'm just a vehicle brother. Yep. I'm just a messenger. And this just happens to be how it's being delivered, but I'm not creating, I'm channeling. And it's allowing me to actually be in alignment with who I am, but tap into that abundant element that's available to all of us. I, I love where you're going with that because that was some epiphanies that had erupted throughout the years of podcasting now too, is that, you know, those who choose to, and maybe you're just using an iPhone headset, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to have the whole home studio. This took years to figure out. But my point is like, if you choose to pick up the microphone, and put your voice out there. It's no longer just about you. All right. It is about giving back. And that's why I'm a big advocate for whether it be podcasting or now that I've been dabbling more in public speaking myself, it's like, yeah, man, like I'm an out. Everybody's like, Oh dude, you're an outgoing type A personality kind of guy, aren't you? And I was like, wasn't always. And they said, bullshit. I'm like, no, no. Like when I was, I was a shy kid. And there's a great, uh, great book. What is it? The uh, uh, a blanking on it. See, there's something advantage of, of a type B personality type of person. I'm just blanking on it right now. I had him on the show a while back. But anyway, the point is, is realizing your voice is no longer just for you. It's to help other people. It's to give back. And when you can surrender to that and recognize that for me, every single time I get on stage, it's not about me at all. Yeah. And when you can separate that and remove that and realize it's, that it's bigger than you, bigger beyond you, then you start to realize the, 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 the ripple effect of that. You know, it's evolved to a point where my purpose is very, very clear now. You know, my purpose in life is literally to allow my truth to give others permission to live theirs. Yeah. You see, I believe, right, one of our core concepts is this idea of embracing pain to avoid suffering. And I believe that so much suffering exists on the internal level at such a massive way. And the way that suffering exists internal, it's really basic if we simplify it. It's the things that are left unsaid the things we lack permission to feel or say, the things we lack the words to articulate or the things that are left undone. And so if we recognize that every time we put ourselves in a position where we create a window for us to demonstrate vulnerability and authenticity into the world by speaking our own truth, we're actually helping people with these middle two. Yeah. We're giving them permission to feel and say things that they may not have given themselves permission on before. But by you vocalizing it in the world, energetically, they can receive it that way. And you potentially have given them the words to articulate how they've been feeling in a way that they've not known how to explain it in the world. And so now you've given them a freeing experience by doing that. And so that's what I recognize is that for whatever reason, my friend, I've been put into a position to demonstrate what vulnerability and authenticity can look like in a way that's not weakness. Right. I am not weak. And there are very few people who ever interact with me who would ever use that word in any descriptor for me. And I don't say that to impress. 
I say that to know I can be have a soft front for people to land and be one of the strongest spined individuals that's, that I know. Yeah. Understanding that if I am centered and anchored in me and I've done the work to heal my own pains and shed my own layers of armor, then I'm in a position where I actually can be that protector and connector in every environment I go into. And so that's what I just try to do is to live and speak my truth. And that's what I love about hearing you talk as well. It's just everybody it's, has something different that they resonate with. And that's something that, like, I never planned on writing a book. Uh, I just realized my wife got tired of me sharing the old hotshot stories. And I'm like, all right, well, that's why podcasting helped do that. And because my client years ago, he it was his backstory. He's like, well, I want to write a book. and But nobody knew who he was online. So, so his, his co-host nine years ago, she said, well, why don't you start a podcast and then put in the reps, put in the reps, you know, years later, he's getting a million downloads a month. So he's doing just fine. Uh, but the point is, and then, you know, he launched a book years ago and, and that he had his own platform to promote it. So I was like, you know, I'll just do the same thing. She says, she's tired of hearing the fire stories. I've got stories to share. I have a lot of this book is it's really a memoir. It's, it's a story of my own transformation from that experience. And it was a way for me to get even more vulnerable because I even put it in the book. She hates, she hates the fact that I, I talk about her in the book. She's like, why am I in the book? I was like, because you're an important part of my life and you helped me grow and go beyond my vulnerabilities and you continue to help me grow to this day, even though we're only married three years and we've been together for nine. And she goes, yeah, I know you, have, you always have a great answer. <laughs> I was like, my point is you are part of my transformation. Firefighting was part of my transformation. I needed to document it. And I realized telling the stories was me just putting in the reps to find a way to get to embrace it differently and then find a way. And then a friend of mine, she's like, I'll help you. She's my editor. She's like, I'll help you, Scott. Let's get your story out there. She's like, there might be other hotshot books to come. And I'm like, right, let's focus on one. <laughs> but getting vulnerable and then putting it down, documenting it, solidified it for me. Because now I can't back away. The story's documented. Like the only thing I have to do next is I have to finish doing the audio book now. I, I, I didn't finish that last year. And projects, business growth, et cetera. So it's like, all right, let me do first year, you know, that. And then second year, yeah. we'll do the audio book and just make it a continuously rollout thing. Because because you and I are both guilty of, I hate the word perfection nowadays and hate's a strong word, but it's like, there is no such thing as perfection. You're supposed to be doing weird things, making mistakes, et cetera, right? You're supposed to be finding a way through mistakes to embrace getting vulnerable, right? And to your point, which you, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper on too, was, like then you find that point in your timeline where there's not just an awakening for you and your audience. It's another reawakening to you where like you were saying that you also had cut off your own emotional capability as well. Uh, so the armor ended up affecting more than one area, more than one domain of your importance and your, and what you were how, cutting off all emotion. That's a powerful thing. And I wanted to make sure we didn't skip any deeper into the show without just clarifying yeah. that a little bit more. So, yeah. Yeah. So like how did, what, look, when, when did you realize that? But the, the emission was like, well, when was that moment in the timeline? So the aha was, um, probably six to seven years ago. Okay. My daughter was young. We were playing, we were laughing. Sounds normal. And we lay down on the couch and she wraps her arm around my neck and she kisses me on the cheek and she says, I love you, Dada. That's lovely. And I, and I broke down in tears out of joy. And I am not somebody that cries 
but it's because I conditioned it out of myself. And I want to be really clear, men who have the ability to cry and can express emotion, I think is one of the most powerful, moving things to be a part of. And it's nothing that I believe carries any shame. It's just not how I have learned to feel emotion. But what's cool is I'm starting to learn how to feel that in that way. But when I felt joy that way, I realized I'd never experienced joy to that capacity before, which in hindsight, I did. It was on my wedding day. I was a blubbering idiot and cried the entire ceremony. And we don't have a single good picture because I don't, I do not have a good cry face. I mean, I have a face for radio to begin with, but then I don't have a good cry face on top of that. So, awesome. um, but I didn't know back then what that meant. I just was like a young kid, like I'm crying, I I feel so emotional, but, and I don't mean that to poke fun at it. I literally didn't understand the emotion until I'm laying on the couch with my daughter. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that was joy all that time ago. Wow. And then when I realized that I hadn't experienced joy to the fullest extent, the way that I was to the point that it moved me to tears, like all the way embodied through me, every fiber of my being, then there's a good chance I've not felt every other emotion that way. The depths of pain and the despair and the unworthiness and the control and everything in between. And so that's when I started to go on that, that journey, because again, I told you that prior period was focused on human connection. Yeah. And I said, vulnerability or authenticity of the blue that minds it, but here's the deal. Human connection without emotion is not human connection. And so vulnerability, not authenticity of the glue, but, but emotion is literally, that's, that's, it, it's the part that brings it all together. And so it was that moment that I started to really challenge myself around recognizing where and how emotions were showing up. And again, trying to just pause long enough to at least identify what it was. And then I had to extend those periods longer and longer until I could start actually feeling. And man, that sucked for a long time because there was lots of moments that I would literally look to my wife and I'm like, wait, why do I want to feel again? This, this, this is hard. Like it's so much easier to go through life numb in lots of ways, but you also lack the complete fulfillment and joy and freedom that comes from deep alignment and healing. And that is what I really just want everybody to experience. I know what it's like to be stuck, lost, miserable, unworthy, feeling disconnected, feeling like there wasn't ever a place to get light and, and love life. And I know what this looks like over here. And because I understand the contrast, because I put in the work, I just want to bring as many people along with me over here as possible, because we all deserve to feel this way as often as possible. That was my epiphany. What you just said right there about bringing everybody along the journey with you. And a word that has really jumped back into my vocabulary the past two years, really finishing the book project, was that legacy. Or it doesn't matter how much money you make in the world. Yeah, you could leave it behind, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, I could be killed tomorrow in a car accident, right? You got run over as a seven-year-old. What are we leaving behind? And through, I mean, I, 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 when I started figuring out what personal and professional development was a de- over a decade ago, I, I started getting in the rabbit hole, man. So you, you get it, I get it. And I talk about that in the book too, which I know you align with is like my wife broke up with me (laughs) while we were dating. Like we were almost to the one year mark, the first year of dating. And and she still uses this quote to this day though. So I'm still growing, but she's like, nobody ever trained you. And I was like, I'm very trainable. I'm very coachable. I coach and train other people. I did it in the corporate space. What, What do you mean? She's like, you were never in a serious relationship. I'm like, yeah, I know. I told you that. She's like, I thought you were kidding. She's like, you're an emotional idiot. I was like, I know, right? And it wasn't funny to her. 
And she's yeah, like, but she's like, you're not here. She's like, you're not, I'm here. You're not here. And she broke up with me. And I was like, all right, well, I'll move on. Well, that didn't work. Dude, 30, not even 30 days into it. I was like, it was a, it was a gut punch. I was already in my thirties at the time. So I'm like, well, this is hitting differently. This might be the whole emotional thing. <laughs> well, and so here's the thing though, I, too. You would appreciate I think that. language is, I think language is really important because she said that you weren't trained, but the reality of it is, is you were actually highly trained either by yourself or the external forces that led you there that embedded the emotional triggers, behavioral patterns because of the environmental conditioning that you'd experienced. What you weren't was healed. Yeah. Right. And so you were not healed in a place that you could actually be open because for whatever reason, whatever trauma, whatever situation took place in your life, mm -hmm. your patterns were a byproduct of your element to either be seen and understood in the certain environments that you could be as a high performer male, right. In firefighting and all these other ways right. that you were not actually paying attention to your family, but you just weren't healed. And so you were armored in ways that you were unaware of. Oh, yeah. And so here's the thing that I tell most people, right. Most people believe they're stuck because they have the wrong strategy and tactics in their life. They're like, if I get the right coach, if I get the right system, if I make a hundred thousand, if I do this, I'm going to be free. It's all going to work out. Guess what? Strategy and tactics help us leverage and scale our life. And they're critically important, but they are not the things that keep us stuck. They're the things we talked about a second ago, the emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning. Mm -hmm. And so the reality of it is until we start to bring those into a place of conscious awareness, where we can start to influence them, put in the work and the ways. But here's the thing. 95% of our emotional triggers are not our fault. They are literally either generationally passed down, inherited, or conditioned so significantly into us because of the patterns that ex exist in our world. But the second you become aware of them, or the second they start creating damage in other people's worlds, they start to become your responsibility. Well, that... So what a lot of people don't do is forgive themselves and the understanding and all these things that they've done as a byproduct, as if it's their fault, like they're in judgment, I'm a bad person. But the reality of it is, is oftentimes people truly are in a position where they're just modeling or expressing or defending based on whatever was conditioned into them and the unhealed emotional triggers that exist in their world. Yep. And so when we can start to communicate and allow people to understand that, that what's preventing us from connecting is all inside of us, right? And, and we just need to really start to surrender to that because again, it's not that you weren't trained, you were highly trained. You weren't healed. Oh yeah. Well, I, and I, I, I mentioned in the book, but I said... Dude, I was crushing it. Like I, I, so I have a BS in marketing and psychology. I dual majored uh, years later as an adult student. I have a BS in business and a BA in psychology. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I tell people all the time, I'm a, I'm a high level sales consultant, and then I started a marketing company too. So I don't use anything they taught me in school, right? So I we, got you, right? You get <laughs> you and I are aligned there too. <laughs> the one thing that I will honor from a you know accredited institution is sciences. My wife is a uh, equine horse veterinarian doctor and a doctor of chiropractic for animals. Very smart girl. Ivy League educated $300,000 in school loans to do it. And she paid them all off. She's good. That being said. By the um, way, I've really enjoyed talking with your wife on Instagram since the event. Because oh yeah. that was like, to me, one of the coolest things is that she literally is a, a Cairo for horses and other animals, like at just the holistic care in nature. So sorry to interrupt you, but thing. I just, yeah, but it she, was, she I love that you brought that up because your wife is a badass. And she's that's a badass, cool. but she doesn't want yeah. to talk online. Doesn't want to do a lot yeah. of things. Like she's like, my, wife is too. my wife's a badass. She's just yeah. the hidden, she's, she's, she's the hidden badass. She's just like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So that's why I told her to go to Croatia. I was like, baby, you're burning out. Like they're yeah. overworked. They're turning people away. There's, there's, there's doctors coming out of school that want six figures plus to start. And she's like, I don't even pay myself that. What are you talking about? I was like, go take a vacation. I was like, anyway, but 
I realized when she broke up with me that I was in my own way. And the real like aha for me was like, okay, I've developed this, I've developed this. And the psychology education I learned about there, well, depending on which program you're following, there's like five to six domains of your life. They should try and keep ebb and flow. If you're in school, school's going to be high. If you're crushing your career, your career's going to be high. Maybe romance falls low. There's these domains, right? You know what I'm talking about. So I had all these other ones kicking ass, but I wasn't happy in my career, right? This was the trigger to leave corporate life and go be a firefighter. And I'd finished the schooling, so I checked that off my list. And the first person in my family, old school Irish family, to have a college education, I paid my own way. But the romance was shit, right? There's no, I was like, I don't have room for that. And then when I left for firefighting, that just made it worse, right? You said highly trained? Great. I just added two years of like the most in depth, non loving, non relationship building career choice ever. So whatever walls or armor I had built just got fortified to the nth degree, exactly. right? And then her breaking up was like, wait a minute. I've done all this crazy shit in my life. I've done all this successful stuff and mistakes and yada, yada, yada. But I don't have the balls to get vulnerable and let somebody into my life romantically. And then the next thought that came across my head was, wait a minute. Did she break up with me or did I break up with my own self? Because I'm not even giving her a chance. Did I even give her a chance this first year of dating? Yep. So the next 90 days was like all, I was buying all kinds of online, get your Xbox programs. I was digging back into my psychology. I was trying to hack myself. I'm fine. I'm hired romantic coaches. I'm doing all this shit. My friend's are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I need to figure this out. I'm going to figure it out. And then I, you know, 90 days later, I asked her for a, to get together for a cup of tea and to start it as a completely different chapter. Just give me a chance. And we had, we were not allowed to count that first year. That was the first year did not count until it became time to put a ring on it. Then she's like, well, we've been together for all this time. Like, no, I was like, you said that first year didn't count. She's like, Oh hell no. Not when it comes to the ring. And I was like, and her girlfriend sitting there, she's like, like, yep. uh Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Dumbass. Put a ring on it. So anyway, there's a very short story, a little more of that vulnerability. But I, but I think that's, but I think that's beautiful because what you also did was you didn't protect yourself in a false narrative because you were going to become the victim and place blame. You took ownership, and that was and a so big step. That was hard. Dude. That's a that's a big, big, big step. But that's what truly like what what happened, and that's what I say to so many people. You can create so much freedom in your life if you just literally force yourself to view every situation as if it was your fault, like. Seek the other perspective, not because it is, and not because I want you to put yourself in that place where you take on the ownership of it being your fault, but put yourself there long enough to at least see the other person's perspective as to how they might have received you and where you might have been able to improve what you could have done. And if we can all do that, it truly starts to drop the armor all around us because guess what? We all make mistakes. We all screw up. We're all going to screw up again. The point is we can't continue to repeat the same patterns and we can't remain stuck as a result of it. Well, I like because you're you just full circle tied it back to something you mentioned two to three times already during this show. Sympathy versus empathy. And it's funny because my old corporate life, I used to, uh, they got rid of our managerial titles, put us through these immersive trainings. This was actually, this this corporation was T-Mobile, the, the, the cell phone company. So I used to manage call centers for them and people in customer service. And then I, we, I was one of these guys who helped start the... Um, a retention teams, specialized high level people. And the biggest thing we had to coach and develop and train 
was empathy versus sympathy. Telling somebody, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Here's a credit to your account. You didn't fix anything. Half the people don't even need the credit. And the credit doesn't fix the problem. If they're upset because you have no cell phone coverage, you got a problem. I'm flashing back from 15 years ago. Anyway, the point is, is that- You got triggered. You you were transported back there, bro. That's like (laughs) empathy, man. Did you hear what they were saying? Did you slow down enough to listen? Listen. And that's that's a- it's funny because, I mean, I, I can look back on my career and pull those powerful chunks out and use that to this day. Like, so I, I'm glad you were hitting on that. Sympathy, I want to make sure we didn't skip that little subject you hit multiple times in the show today. Sympathy versus empathy. This applies in business, personal, everything. Listening, slowing down. Like you said, slow down and at least recognize these shifts and changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People I think it's important. I think that's one of the things we don't pause long enough in our lives just to see even ourselves more clearly. Right. And I'm not even talking like you've got to pause for long periods. Yes. That's where you can get transformation and healing. But I, when I say pause in a lot of these moments, we're literally talking for like a moment, yeah. just pause, see what's going on. Okay. Try to put yourself in a position where you can be the observer and the participant in the situation real time. And if you can do that, that is freedom. It's like when I first went to school, tried going to college, working full time back in the nineties, I'm aging myself. I went to Penn state, wanted to be an engineer. And the, I was, you know, freshman year, you're doing elective classes. I'm, I took a, Public speaking class, actually. They had his freshman year, 1996. I just dated it. Um, and I remember the biggest thing to this day was take a breath, pause. Everybody's afraid to pause. They think it sounds awkward. And you and I are guilty of it because we both, once we're riffing, man, we're riffing. Like it's, we can just crank it out. But this all applies in so many different areas of life. It's, it's slow down, pause, empathize, connect, get vulnerable. Um, let the emotion flow. I mean, we're coming towards the end of the show. I mean, what else is standing out to you? I'm just, I'm, I'm riffing. I mean, I mean, I think that's real. And I think even just to bring that point to fruition, like I always say to people, like, look, like I have a lot of work still to do. Like we will never escape these things. They will be adversaries in constant pursuit. All we can do is be vigilant in our efforts to see the places that we can continue to grow and improve, the places we can heal and the places we can shed layers. Like that's all we can do because there is no final destination, right? Only constant evolution itself. But because I'm dense and because sometimes I'm visual and because I need the reminder in these moments, that's the literal reason I have trust, surrender, breathe tattooed on my left arm. The only three words that are on the arm that was disconnected from my body, but I have to continue. Yeah. Beautiful. I got got a little something different, but keep going. But, (laughs) but it's still the relevant point, right? Like, so for me, that's, this is one of the things is this is helps me center myself. This allows me to catch myself when I get triggered and I'm about to react, it allows me to pause long enough so I can choose to respond, take back power in the moment and understand what's really taking place. Like it is our breath that centers us. And it's, by the way, no coincidence that the only system that operates in our bodies that keeps us alive, that either operates without us or with our influence and control is our lungs and our breath. Mm. It will keep us alive, but we can also choose how we breathe life. And so we can actually put ourselves into a position to regulate our breath, regulate our autonomic and, and sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems all in here because there are studied and proven breathing techniques, many of which have been deployed through the SEALs for the last 30 plus years that have been proven to literally be the most effective thing at calming the human stress response next to Valium. Oh, yeah. We have a beautiful gift right here in our own chest. And I'm not just talking about our hearts. It's our ability to literally level and control and center ourselves through our breath in any moment. And if we can do that, then it also allows us to be present so that weirdly we can trust, surrender, and breathe to what's in front of us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I talk about lung capacity, health, fitness, all that stuff differently. But what you're talking about, the mental connection, the realignment, the uh, resetting cortisol levels, 
hundred percent correct. Like I'm an endurance athlete. Like last, last year I did, uh, my first ever hundred mile mountain biking race with 10,000 feet of climbing. I tried it two years ago, right after I had collapsed uh, a lung. Uh, well, actually I'm pointing to the same spot where I have the words tattoo. Cause I was worried they were going to damage that tattoo. Uh, the words of my ribs are duty, respect, and integrity. Three wow. words that was a core of wildland firefighting was in our handbook. And that is also, you know, a chapter in my book too, defining that it's, it's value. So I love seeing, listen, ladies and gentlemen, maybe you're not into tattooing, but my point is I love seeing fellow guys who, or, or ladies that have, have the ink, but when they chose to put the ink, it went on with a purpose, with a meaning. And like, by the way, every bit of ink of mine did. Yeah. (laughs) And I've got a little bit of a, I have a whole phoenix across yeah. half my back. You have a phoenix, dude. Have my arms a phoenix. Well, dude, I'm, of course I, we do. I of served course. in Arizona, and Flagstaff. Uh, there was a high level artist who used to have a t- his tattoo shop's not there anymore. Nick Lawrence was, I think, he's yeah. still uh, showing art up there. So Nick did my phoenix, oh, and cool. it was twenty cool. hours of work. That was my first yeah. color piece, and because my wife's like, she's like, you're the only guy I've ever dated that has ink. Could you not get any more? And I'm like. I don't have that much. She's like, yeah, but what you have are big. <laughs> I was like, my, well, my wife's the opposite. She wants me to get more and more. I've got half my chest <laughs> covered here, half my back covered here. Obviously, nice. my whole right arm. And she's like, she's like, are you going to keep going? And I was like, I mean, there's a good yeah. chance. I was like, listen, it all gets covered up. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, again, we could talk a lot more about this. It's, and I know that I knew when you and I started rapping on the mic, I'm going to have to give you back on another, another show soon. Um, just to dig into some other areas, if you're if you're yeah. interested, if you're interested, so. dude, I, I've I've loved I've loved jamming with you. I love the energy exchange, and I just love what you're all about and who you're trying to impact. And um, yeah, and, you know, and, I'm and to, for the fact that you to serve you because I know you serve so many other people. My audience, my fuel nation, listen up. If you've connected with anything that Brian and I were talking about today, especially from Brian, please go to brianboger.com. Okay, again, again, speaking, lots of videos coaching, et cetera. But is there something that my audience can do for you guys today? Or, or is there anything that you're trying to help people with in 2022 right now? Uh, that if that one or 5% of my audience aligns yep. like, Oh yeah, you know what? I do need to go to Brian's site and check and connect with him. Yeah. So I, I would say that, um, so again, one of the things I don't know that if I said earlier or not is that we're on a mission to impact a billion lives as quickly as possible. And for us, that means by reducing the level of suffering that exists on this planet. And that happens through a whole bunch of different vehicles, but low hanging fruit, if anything resonated with you and you decide to follow on social or jump in, if you follow on social, it's at Bogart Brian on any channel, truly legitimately, I don't care about the vanity metrics, but if something moves you, I just ask you to move it through the world. Okay. If you're sitting next to somebody and you're like, oh, this is cool. Turn your phone. If you don't want to hit the like, comment or share, I don't care. Like, <laughs> yes, does that help our algorithms? Yeah, it does. Does it make sure more people see it? Yeah, it does. But if that's not something that you want to do, don't feel pressure, but show it to somebody next to you. What okay. I've known through all this time is that moved people move people. And so I'm asking as many people to move others and move themselves so that we can have a collective impact as quickly as possible. The other thing that they could do if they're interested and they're that five to 10%, we do have a free course and it's something that we put a lot of time, energy and effort into. Is that on the site? Nolimitsprelude.com. I don't think it, I don't think there is access on either one of those ones directly. Okay. Um, I, I understand the marketing flaw and a whole lot of that, but here's why I say this. The reason we distribute it and we publish it out in the way that we do is I want to give full disclosure so that you understand what you're getting. You get over 30 minutes of video content, the first chapter of our course, which lets you begin with the end in mind. And here's the deal. Yep, I get your email in exchange for it. Yep, you're going to get some emails through the process of doing it. And yep, you're going to get four emails from us after you're complete 
to outline other opportunities to help you on your journey, whether it's with us or not. So this is completely free. And I want to let you know all those expectations because this is not about getting you into a forever funnel and spamming you in perpetuity. This is to figure out where and how we can move you so you can move others. But this is, this is something that will add value into your lives. And uh, I just hope that something we've said today moved something inside of each one and every one of you. Well, I knew you had something. So that's why I was like, I know he's got something up his up one of the sleeves. It's, I, I got to pull it out. So, and again, ladies and gentlemen, I guarantee you, I don't mind putting my name behind this gentleman because I know it's a newer relationship. He's not a spammy guy. Okay. There's a lot of people, again, I work in the marketing space. There's a lot of people that get the sales funnels going and everything else. You can trust this guy. Okay. Check it out. I'll have, I'll have that also in the show notes as well. Nolimitsprelude.com along with his socials. I do recommend actually following him. I do follow the Instagram. I, I enjoy the Instagram content. Um, and again, if you don't want to engage by liking or commenting, which I do recommend, I agree with his point. Uh, it's a sales tip 101, right? Uh, a warm lead is better than a cold lead. So think about this. If his post warmed you enough to like it and you have somebody you care about right next to you, I agree. Just show it to him real quick and see if it resonates with them. If you don't even turn the phone, you're not, you know, what happened to sharing is caring. <laughs> is it most social media sharing is caring <laughs> or assaulting, depending on what's posting what. <laughs> um, so anyway, Brian, thank you for an amazing show tonight. Um, I can't wait to get this live and out to the, and, uh, and your team will get updated once we get it ready. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, brianbogert.com, nolimitsprelude.com. Uh, again, in the show notes, all the socials to follow them. Thank you for tuning in. I want to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that you are my fuel nation. We'll be cranking out a lot more new shows for 2022 into 2023. I'm pumped. We have a lot of people lined up. It's very exciting. And I just want to remind you all, you too can live the fuel. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Recording.